We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Good to see all of you today at Branches. What a great day to cap off this vision series and to celebrate with Sajad in baptism and to celebrate with all of you as we've kind of revisited our core values together as a church with this vision series, belonging, daring, and then rounding out today with abiding. This, I think, probably simply stated but difficultly difficultly done and also difficultly said, core value, uh, abiding. And so it's uh, one that I think is really the apex of and the aim of the Christian journey And we're so glad that you're here uh, for that today. If you take a moment to check in and let us know that you're here, it helps us kind of know uh, that you're here today and also for you to know what's going on in the life of the church so you can receive text messages and uh, emails and update you on things and so you know about events coming up and ways that you can join together with this community of people called Branches. And again, we're just so glad that you're here today. There's a lot of options here in Houston and we're glad that you chose to be with us today. Like I said, we're wrapping up this series together, and actually the past couple of weeks, uh, I kind of raised a couple of questions. The, the first question we raised with belonging was, what's in the way? Like, what are the obstacles for people coming to belong to the family of Jesus? And kind of charting out our task is to set those things aside, to break down those barriers, to remove every obstacle, maybe ones that we put up ourselves or ones that have just happened upon us or certainly ones that the church has put in the way for people to grow in their spiritual lives with Jesus. And then the second week, daring, the second core value of like going out there, daring to do it. We talked about Shia LaBeouf and his, you know, encouraging word, just do it. Yesterday you said tomorrow. So like today, let's do it. Let's be daring. And so the question is, what's holding us back? Like, what's keeping you? Like, why, why wouldn't we go share this good news, the best news that's ever been told, that Jesus is for us and loves us and is with us? Be daring. Let's do it. And today, we're, we're looking at, a, at abiding. And I, I think it asks a couple of questions for us. Primarily, like, how do I keep going? Like, how do I refuel? And maybe even more personally, like, what's in it for me? What's the end result? Like, what am I seeking to do? What's the end of all this? What's the point? That's the kind of the question we're trying to raise and maybe answer a little bit today as we talk about abiding. And I was thinking about abiding this week and and what it really means. I, I think it means to stick or to stay around or to live in or to be with. It has like some proximity connotation to it. And for me too, it also has this idea of like an anchor, Like, what's the center point? What's your center of gravity? What keeps drawing you back over and over and over again? And I started thinking about different anchors in my life, my my wife Landon and my family and the church and my friends and my hobbies or whatever else that kind of anchor me and keep me, you know, in reality, remind myself that I'm human, uh, remind myself of the blessings that I have and remind myself of God's goodness. What keeps me centered? 
And really, one that came to mind over and over and over again was back in 2019, um, I got a therapist. Go therapy. Pro therapy. Yes, let's go therapy. Yes, yay. Uh, And uh, she was wonderful. Uh, We'll just call her Rachel just for the sake so I can save her identity. Uh, But uh, she was very kind and helpful. I loved going to see her. And it was actually kind of a far out drive for me. And the first couple of times I went, I wondered if this was worth it. But it really was. And I loved meeting with her. She was so kind and accommodating. Uh, She was, let's say, more wholesome than I am. And so I'd come in hot and like complain about something and I would say something in a way that she wouldn't say it, let's say. Uh, And she would be like, you're right, Colin, that is really stinky. And she'd clean up my language for me a little bit. (laughs) I appreciated that a lot. But she really like heard me and listened to me. And really one of the first times I came, she gave me this thing that really is an anchor in my life. Um, I was describing that I was anxious and I again, was kind of experiencing what we call brain fog and just like having a hard time staying focused and, and centered and on task. And she said, and it wasn't patronizing. I really trusted her. She was like, have you tried breathing? Uh, and so she, we talked about box breathing and we talked about how we're often in this habit of like breathing shallow and through our mouths and not taking these deep sustaining breaths through our noses and then letting them out through our mouths that to oxygenate our blood and our brain and our, our whole bodies, uh, does good for us. (laughs) And really sometimes it doesn't fix the whole problem. It's not a silver bullet, but it's kind of a step in the right calming, centering, changing direction. And so, uh, maybe you're coming into this place today confused or frustrated or mad or bored even. And so we're going to take a breath and then you're going to focus and you're going to love it. So we're going we're gonna to breathe together as uh, Rachel, my therapist, tossed to breathe. So everybody take like a really deep breath in through your nose. And then let it out through your mouth. We can do it again. Let's do it again. We got time. Breathe in through your nose. And breathe out through your mouth. And I remember, and I, and I, f- I forget often too, this practice that she'd give me, it's, it's so simple, but it's hard to remember because it's something that we take for granted. But in that time of my life and in a hard season, and especially in 2019, not knowing what was coming the next year, it became something I could root myself in and be anchored in. And one day I went to see Rachel and we finished our session. It was really great. And she's like, hey, we're kind of wrapping up on time. And I had something I need to tell you. And I was like, oh, no, she's mad about the cussing. But she wasn't. Uh, she was like, I haven't shared this part of my life with you, but my husband is a pastor, and we're moving away. Um, and it was crushing to me because it had been so helpful to me. But she was so kind. She was like, there's this other guy. He's part of our organization. I recommend him to you. He's really great, um, but I'm sorry, you know, next week will be our last session and just wanted to let you know that. And it was a bummer uh, because I, I went to see this other guy uh, and I almost said his name. Ooh. Uh, I went to see this other guy and it wasn't as good a match as it was with Rachel and wasn't as helpful. Very nice, very kind, but it just didn't go well. And maybe you've been on that journey before trying to find a therapist or a counselor and it takes a lot of energy and courage to go over and over to different people and just feel like it's not a match and you feel kind of bad about yourself. Like, is it me or is it them? And then like for me, people would recommend their therapist to me And in my head, I'd be like, I've seen their work, not for me, you know? (laughs) 
But like, thank you for the recommendation, you know? <laughs> uh, so I kind of lost that anchor in my life. But I had all these tools, these sheets of paper with these like things I'd written down that Rachel told me about, the breathing thing, these mental models that I had kind of built up in myself. And from time to time, those things still pop in, and I'm still kind of on that journey of trying to find someone. She kind of gave these instructions, little did she know it at first, for me to have that after she was gone that I would have. It kind of reminds me, too, and maybe you were in this situation when you were a kid, or maybe you're experiencing, the, experiencing this on the other end as a parent, that my mom, when I was uh, maybe 13 or so, and I'm a twin, so my sister and I were at home, she started to trust us at home by ourselves a little more, and she'd be, it'd be Saturday. She'd be like, I'm going to go run errands, and I'm going to go to the grocery store last, so first, tell me what you want, but before I get all those errands done, and I go to the grocery store, and I come home, I need this, 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 and this done, so what that meant was, I think I know about what time she's going to go to the grocery store. Let's do everything but that that she wants us to do until we think she's about on her way home. And I lived in a small town, so it wasn't a lot of time. <laughs> uh, the most horrific thing would be like, oh, we got plenty of time, like play GameCube, like run around outside, whatever else. And then I'd hear the garage door open. And it's like, I've never moved faster in my life. Like Usain Bolt over here, like, oh, I'm going to like shove everything under the bed and into the closet or whatever. And like here coming up the stairs. But she had left us these instructions before she left and we didn't exactly hear them or follow them helpfully. And we were kind of left without her like maybe looming over us to do the things we needed to do left on our own, but with instruction. And that's kind of where John 15 is. If you look in the New Testament, in these biographies of Jesus, in John, there's this really beautiful thing that a lot of the New Testament scholars call his farewell discourse. That up until this point, Jesus has been teaching his disciples, okay, this is what's going to happen to me. And then he's like, I'm going to die. And they're like, wait, you're going to die? And he's like, I just told you I was going to die. Or you should love one another. You should care for your neighbor and you should actually love your enemy and you should be peacemaking, generous, compassionate people, and he's teaching them all these things. And Jesus says in this discourse, and paraphrased, just remember all the things that I've taught you. So I'm going to send my spirit, and the spirit is going to encourage you to be able to do these things, but here is the instructions I'm giving you. And in John 15, there's a metaphor that Jesus uses of a plant, maybe a vineyard of some vines of grapes to be grown and then pressed and then turned into wine. And this metaphor is formative for Christians all throughout the century. And then when we started Branches, we thought about the sort of place we wanted to be. And John 15 kept coming to mind and kept coming to my mind and the minds of our leaders and in our conversations about it. We want to be a place that cultivates the experience of the love of God. And for us to then, this third core value, abide in the vine, to always stay connected to Jesus, that Jesus is at the center. And so this is from that teaching uh, in John 15, starting in verse 1. It says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you'll produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. 
If you don't remain in me, you'll be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit and in this way prove that you are my disciples. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, would you tend to us in this moment? Prune whatever needs to be pruned. Cultivate whatever needs to be cultivated. Give nutrient to the soil of our lives that we might bear much fruit. And when other people see it, they would see you. Use this time of worship together to do just that. Amen. You've seen that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he sees himself on the TV and he like points out, literally every time I read this and it says branches, I'm like, hey, I know that word, <laughs> you know, that's us. But likewise, terrifying, uh, there are some branches that are gathered up and thrown into a fire and burned. But there's some branches that bear much fruit and some that wither up and they're not worth anything. And Jesus's cure for that threat or worry or prophecy or vision for us is to abide. And I shared this last year, but I'm going to keep beating the drum over and over and over again that abide means to stick with or to remain in, or some translations beautifully say to make your home in. Make your home in me and I will make my home in you. It's the Greek word minnow, and it does really have that proximity kind of connotation to it that you, you stay close to. And I know I've shared this before, but it's my friend Chad in Louisiana. He says, you want to walk so close behind Jesus that you step on his flip-flops. Like, that's, that's the proximity we're talking about. And he's riffing on an old first-century idiom of, you want to walk so close to your rabbi that you're covered with the dust of his feet. You're walking so close behind him and mimicking him, and your, your life is so bound up with his that you, his life becomes yours. John Mark Comer says, if we want to live the life of Jesus, the life that Jesus says is life to the fullest, we have to live the lifestyle of Jesus. That it's a life in some way of imitation, of mimicry, but it's not just that. It was like looking at what Jesus does and trying to do it. It's recognizing that Christians have dared to say and wanted to say for centuries that he's not just a character in a book, and not just a dead historical figure worth emulating because he had some good character qualities, but that he died and he rose from the dead and he lives and reigns now and can presently in this year, in this time, in this very moment, live in you. When we celebrate that and recognize that we come to the table, we see his activity when we witness a baptism together. And again, Christians have wanted to say, it's not far away, it's near. And to abide in Jesus is to say, Jesus, I'm here, are you here? Or to experience his presence and say, I want more of that to abide, to stay with, to stick with, to make your home in. When we kind of look at maybe three facets of that, what abide means, if we're to kind of unpack it practically, though I think it's really difficult in some way, let's, let's look at one at a time. First, if abide means to stick with, it has a kind of a meaning of endurance. That again, just like a plant, it's not gonna happen overnight. Like you don't see an apple tree like, just trying and, 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 and just thinking its way really, really hard into like growing golden delicious apples. <laughs> the soil is cultivated and the rain comes and sometimes it doesn't come and you give it nutrients and you trim back the branches and it takes a long, long time. It's slow, it's deliberate, it's intentional on purpose. Uh, anybody know who Coach Bennett is? Uh, Nike running coach? Um, I used to. 
I'm trying to reintroduce myself to him. Uh, he's on the Nike running app and the little encouraging things in your ear. He has a really great podcast. And I remember when I first started to try to run, uh, he would say this thing. He's like, um, you're not becoming a runner. If you're running right now, you are a runner. And I'd be like near death. I'd be like, I'm a runner. I'm doing it. <laughs> And nothing has taught me more about sticking with it, of abiding meaning to like stay in it than that experience has. And it feels like that sometimes in discipleship. That that to stick with Jesus isn't always the easiest thing. We we also look at uh, the idea of... um, abiding meaning making our home in, or, or another way of saying it is like that it's the center, that it's the anchor. That if you anchor your life in me, I'll anchor my life in you, that you will be just like in, inseparable, unseparated together. You may not know this, and some of you probably do, that on this morning, uh, we celebrate World Communion Sunday with Christian traditions and families all over the world and who have said, this is like the perfect example, we make our home in this table we make our home in this body and this blood and this bread and this cup. We make our home in it. And I, I say it over and over again and try to remind you that as the world spins around us, the, the Christian confession is that this table stays put and the invitation is unconditional. And that when you make your home in it, it makes its home in you and you're full of grace and love and truth and compassion. And if you keep coming back to it, if it's your address, if this table is your home address, it changes you. And that's what it means to abide, to make your home. And so we have this kind of sticking with it, this endurance. We have this, this center point, this kind of fulcrum where, where all things come to the center and, and we want to make this table our center. There's another facet of it I thought of this week that I think really is emblematic of how I'm thinking about abide for this coming year and the years after. There's a connotation in the New Testament that abide, this Greek word minnow, also is associated with peace, with the Hebrew idea of shalom, that in, in abiding in Jesus, we are at peace in Jesus. We are at rest in Jesus. We make peace with God, as some people say. And there's actually some Christian theologies that say, like, up until a certain point, you're in a combative relationship with God. And I confess a little bit, too, like, I think after following Jesus, I find myself more and more in a combative relationship with Jesus and with God uh, because I'm trying and struggling to become more like him. And it's this kind of difficult, you know, it's not a frictionless path. But to uh, abide, to be at peace in Jesus is a, is a thing altogether different. Last year, I, I remember I made a remark about, about um, The Big Lebowski. A great film. Uh, maybe, actually, that's where I got some of the language I used with my therapist, Rachel. Now that I think about it. It's been formative for me. <laughs> but not just in that way. In this way, too, that he says the dude abides. And part of his whole vibe, his whole character, is he's kind of like unbothered by violence against him or by other things. He doesn't like the eagles, and that's the thing that bothers him the most. But he's just kind of unmoved, unbothered. And to abide, honestly, is not to be like lazy Jeff Bridges, like drinking milk off the shelf in The Big Lebowski. But there's a facet of it that I think is actually really true. That you see Jesus unbothered and unmoved. He's not in a hurry. He's not frenetic and frantic. He's not abrupt. He's deliberate and slow and abides. He's at peace. And when I thought about that this week, I was like, of all those facets, that's the one I need the most. Uh, I don't need to be on to the next thing. I don't always frantically need to be looking at the next half an hour or the next hour to see what's, what's coming, but to abide, to be at peace in Jesus, to be at, at peace in the God who invites me to be at peace in him, 
to find relationship in him, to find peace in him. Carrie was telling me about this this week, that there was a dude, not the dude, a dude, um, in a hammock between the two trees outside branches. And I'm like, that's it, you know? Like, he's abiding. Uh, and not, you don't have to go get in a hammock, though not a bad idea, but that disposition of I'm at peace in God and I know who God says I am and I'm gonna abide and live in that and make that my anchor, make that my center, make that the most important thing about my identity, not to prop myself up or make myself self-important, but so when other people see me, as, as Jesus talks about, when they see the fruit that you bear from abiding, they'll want some of it. They'll want peace and compassion and justice and truth. They'll want the things that come from the slow cultivation of abiding in Jesus. Each week we've been singing this song uh, together, Tend. It's like, it's like, other than Firm Foundation, which I know is one of Michelle's favorites, uh, Tend is the anthem of this place for me. <laughs> but there is, a, a, just like in the text, a terrifying piece of it. It says, uh, in a daring way, I won't shy away, I will let the branches fall. So what you want can stay and what you love can grow. I have people tell me sometimes, and it's a great gift to me, how much they love this community. And I have to say, I, it is one of the greatest joys of my life to get to pastor this place, to be a place that's seeking to, not perfectly in any way, but just throwing itself at, abiding in the vine of connecting ourselves to Jesus and going back to it over and over again and making our home at this table, making our home in his life. It's just the greatest thing. And some of you have shared that with me too. Like, you're, you're so glad you found this community. I'm so glad too. But if it ever gets in the way, if it's ever what's holding us back, if it's ever the thing that's keeping us from being like, I don't know about this Jesus thing, let it fall away. I hope you love this place as much as I love this place, but I hope you love Jesus more. I hope you want to follow him more. I hope that anything that we do, any baptism or coming to the table or song that we sing or prayer that we pray together, any sermon that you hear or study you go through or group you're a part of helps you abide in Jesus and the life that he offers above all else. And I just, this is where in the end of this vision series, I've been reflecting a lot on this past year. That's my whole goal as a pastor is to not say like, I figured this out. I abide in Jesus let me show you how it's done. It's to step alongside you or even behind many of you who are so further down the path than I ever imagined I could be and say, we're gonna try to do this together. How do we make our home in Jesus? How do we make this table the anchor and center of our lives? How do we abide in the vine so we can bear much fruit through this city, the city that longs for peace and longs for hope and longs to not be frantic and frenetic, but, but just to be at rest and to know who they are? How do we make our home in that and how do we do it together? And also, just the next step is, how do we invite more people along the way so that they experience the goodness and the grace of Jesus that he's offered each one of us? I hope you're reminded of that today. That the promise isn't, I'll love you if you abide in me. It's, I've given you everything you could ever need. Remember who you are. Plant yourself in me. My love is already planted in you. Don't try to bear much fruit. Don't go exert energy to make fruit. But cultivate a life that bears much fruit. And cut away the things that don't matter. There's a lot of stuff in our lives that don't matter. Abide in the vine. Make your home in me. Remain in me. Stick with me. And let the whole world know that because God says so, 
they belong. Thanks be to God for that. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this invitation to abide in you. Make it a real invitation to us. Help us cut away what doesn't need to be there. Till the soil around us to bear fruit in you, that we might become more like you, that when others see us, they see you, that when people long for peace, they experience peace in this place and through you, and people that need love and compassion and companionship, the waters of baptism, the cup and the bread, that we're a place that can provide it from you. Tend to us by your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.